0: Well, we're going to start in just a second. We want to leave room for those whose car wouldn't start. Those who overslept, didn't intentionally leave the house at five. For a five o'clock weekend. All right. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for uh, another incredible weekend. We ask you, Lord, to redeem our time. pray that uh, the reward that we receive tonight from this teaching would exceed the investment that we made. Lord, I just thank you as we sow into our lives, each and every one of us, to become better leaders, that those around us would be affected and impacted in ways that we could only imagine and hope for. So Lord, tonight, use us to influence our homes, the office, the workplace, families, those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Welcome to the second leadership training night mosaic church what i'd like to do is before we get started um is lauren still out shopping for cards or did juliana did you okay we want to have, make sure that he has a volunteer uh card we'll change that to servant leader at some point when we run out of these which we may have already done and uh and until we do that'll be on there but want to make sure that you have one of these. Uh, if you're not currently leading, a servant, uh, servant leader, we want to make sure that you get signed up to become one tonight. It's not a mandate. It's not required that you do that just because you attended. But it's highly encouraged. When you learn to do something, the best way to become good at it is to do it. So when you learn something and you apply it and you apply it and you apply it, you become really good at it. It's second nature to you. So Lauren is going to be passing cards down each row, I think. Or did we find any? Okay. She's going to pass these down. There should be an ink pen in the seat backs in front of you. Tonight, we're going to talk about cultivating people skills in your leadership. So when I tell you on Sunday mornings, and we advertise this, that this leadership training will do more than just teach you how to be a servant leader in Mosaic Church. At Mosaic Church, it will also help you in relationships, especially relationships with your family. Uh, in John chapter 13, it says, For I have given you an example that you should do have, as I have done to you. Jesus will always be the ultimate servant leader. Yeah. He will always be. When you read the Gospels and you read the Red, just think about what he was doing. As we hear that or as we see that in red, what Jesus was doing, he was showing us how to lead. He was showing us how to care for those who weren't cared for, to show mercy to those that were to be judged, to love those who were unlovable, to bring health and healing to those who were sick, to be available to little children. Jesus showed us the ultimate servant leader. Clearly no one exemplified people's skills better than Jesus himself. Everywhere he went, people followed him. Why? Because it was obvious that people were his passion. It was obvious that people were his passion. He met their needs wherever he encountered them. Jesus touched people physically, spiritually, and emotionally. A good friend of mine is a minister and he looks at people who are born again and who are submitted to the Lord, He calls, calls us 3D people. Uh, he says most people are two-dimensional. He said as a believer, you become three-dimensional. In other words, you have a component in your person, in the person of the Holy Spirit that someone who is not born again does not have. There, you're, not just, you're not just body and soul, your body, soul and spirit. Someone who's not born again does not have the the power of the Holy Spirit in operation in their life. So whenever you're born again, you have a third dimension that is strange to a world that is at best two-dimensional. And on some days you think they're brain dead, so they're only physical. Not even two-dimensional. Not thinking right, not feeling right. And so we have this, this part of us that is different as a... Born again servant leader. Four truths about leadership and people. Four truths about leadership and people. And you see them on the screen here. People are a church's most appreciable asset. You can have lights, you can have sound, you can have a beautiful facility, you can have everything you need to do church. But in order to be church, it takes people. And People will always mean more to an organization and church than all the resources that we possess. In other words, you are the greatest resource. So when you're at home and uh, you feel like you're not giving your best to your kids because they don't have all of the maybe the resources someone else someone else's family has, let me tell you that's not what's most important. My oldest children, who are now, I hate to say it. Whew, 31 and almost 30. Whoa. I know, Charlie. Yeah, well, Whoa. I mean, it's just tough. Uh, when they were young, we were broke. I didn't have a, enough money to buy my kids' kids pajamas. So they slept in T-shirts that I had that I would pass down to them. But that wasn't critical. Matter of fact, my kids look at that now as one of the greatest parts of their life because that wasn't what was important to them. Being taught how to live and how to lead was what was important to my children. Not to not all of the things that we think really matter, new bicycles and all those things. Nothing wrong with those. But the reality is your children are your greatest asset. Not what you give your children, what you impart to your children. That's very different. What you impart to your children will be far more important than what you give to them. I know for a fact that Rick, Pastor Rick, how, how old is Ricky Lee? 37. Ricky Lee is 37, which tells you how old he is, too.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I know for a fact that when Ricky Lee was young, you were broke. Absolutely. And let me tell you, that gal has turned out to be nothing short of a superstar. And it wasn't what he had or didn't have, it's what he imparted to her that made her believe that she could be somebody even if she didn't have something. So I want you to understand, you are an appreciative asset. You count. You're important. And everybody around you is important. And we don't look at people because of what they have or don't have. We look at people because they are God's people. Appreciative assets, even if they're not born again. We know that they are important. Number two, a leader's most important asset is his his or her people skills. It's not your brilliance. There are a lot of brilliant people on earth that cannot have interpersonal conversation and dialogue. They're incapable because they don't see the value of the people they're talking to. I've been around people before that, that, and I feel sorry for them, I'm not being judgmental, but they have no people skills. And in the business world, they will tell you, you're really only as good as your people skills. Your ability to make people feel appreciated your ability to connect to people. When I taught homiletics, I would always tell communicators this, your connection or your content is only as good as your connection. I don't care how studied you are, how good your material is, if you cannot connect with people, you will not get what's in you to them. So always realize your skills in being able to relate to people will be the greatest tool you have. Number three, a good leader can lead various groups because leadership is about people. You can lead various groups. I could take any one of you that was a real good leader and I could put you in any department in this church and you may not have the skills for the department, but if you have people skills, guess what will happen? You'll find people who know how to do that job and they'll do it because you believe in them because you make them feel appreciated. You make them feel wanted. You make them feel important. Uh, I think it was Henry Ford who wasn't educated the way I understand it. One day a man came into his office and said, you don't know what you're doing. And Henry Ford looked back at him and said, you're right. But you see this, he had this thing on his desk with four buttons. He said, you see this? He said, this button does this. I call somebody and they tell me what to do. (laughs) And this button, and he went down all four. He said, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know four guys who do. Now, see, that's brilliance. That's people skills. He connected himself to people that knew how to build automobiles. He connected himself. He had people skills. And it's important. You can rally people around you. You can even rally your kids around you if you make them feel like Superman. Hello, Lauren. That's our theme for the upcoming months, right? Children's ministry. You can If you make people feel like Superman, Superwoman, they will exceed what they think they can do, and what you think they can do. Number four, you can have people skills and not be a good leader because you choose not to be. You're just mean. Well, not you, the people who aren't here tonight.
1: You can have people
0: skills and not be a good leader, but you cannot be a good leader without people skills. And I talk to our staff pretty much regularly, and we talk about... Uh, personality conflicts. I think I addressed those this morning. I don't remember, quite frankly. It's crazy morning. But uh, if you can identify that you have a difficult time getting along with certain people, then you can make certain adjustments to get along with them. You really can. It, you may not. They may not be your favorite person, and they may not be the person that you hang out with all the time, but the reality is you can find an avenue to connect with people and one of the things that I have discovered and this is not in your notes if you really want to learn how to connect with people learn what people like and learn what people love ask them questions if you can't connect don't try to push yourself on them and tell them all about you ask them about them because people love to talk about themselves we do all of us do when somebody starts asking you questions guess what happens You start opening up, and when you open up, you feel closer to them. So start practicing asking people questions. What makes you tick? What are your hobbies? What do you like to do? What irritates you? What do you have a passion for? What do you love more than anything else in the world? What genre of movies do you like? You say, well, that's nuts. No, I can tell you what kind of person a person is by the genre of movies they like. It's not a criticism at all. I'm telling you guys, no, you probably picked mine. I love comedy. When I'm having a down day, I just go find a a funny movie and I just laugh. I I love to laugh. And then if I'm having a little off day, it's action thriller with a little Bruce Willis. Live free, die hard. Don't get mad at me.
1: Because
0: there's a little humor in there and then there's enough blood that every man is okay. In Luke chapter 10, verse 30, it says, Jesus told this story in response to a man who asked, who is my neighbor? Isn't that what we always want to know so we can get by with the bare minimum? If they're not my neighbor, I don't have to love them because you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so we asked questions to try to get out of things. But he said, uh, he spoke of a man who was robbed and beaten along a road, aside the road, and left for dead. Soon, a couple of religious leaders walked by but never stopped. It is likely they were on their way to some religious activity. <laughs> Then a Samaritan came by and helped a man, caring for him until he was well again. Jesus then asked, who was the neighbor in this story? Of course, we know who the neighbor was. He was the Samaritan man, which Jews hated. So when Jesus told the story, if you don't know that Jews and Samaritans didn't get along, you won't have full appreciation of the story of the good Samaritan. The Jews hated Samaritans. And so when Jesus is telling the story, he's inciting an emotion in Jews listening to the story. And going, this man was who we ought to be. Never forget one Sunday morning, I was living in Tulsa, and I was on my way to church. I was by myself, and it was a really, really cold day. Kind of like today. (laughs) Oklahoma is confused, and we need counseling. Not the people, the state. Amen. You know, and so driving down the road, I was at 21st between Harvard and Yale. Never forget it. In Tulsa, on 21st Street. And I see this man literally with no coat on a white shirt with blood on it and it looked like he'd been hit and and here's the honest I'm on my way to church right and Jesus
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I, I I'm getting ready to turn right and the man had just I was turning right on the 21st and he had just walked a little left of and I felt like the Holy Spirit said go pick him up and I said I don't want to I don't know if you have a conversation with God like that I do I don't want to God said but I want you to Can I tell y'all how, who's going to win this argument And even if you think you win it You don't pick him up You'll lay your head down that night And God will say what did I tell you to do I want to sleep Disobedience to God will rip you up more than a red bull So I turned I went And I went and got him and I was not happy. I mean, I got to tell you, I wasn't happy. I mean, I kind of became mad at him for walking in front of me and being used by God.
1: <laughs>
0: How dare you be used by God to get my attention? So I literally, I, he gets in the car, and I had a, well, actually, what happened, well, I missed a part of the story. I was just two blocks, I lived two blocks away. So God said, go home, and get a coat, and give it to him. So I was going to give it to him. God said, now take him where he's going. So he gets in the car. I said, what are you doing? And I thought the guy could kill me. He's bloody. You can tell he's been in a fight. And so, you know, I I was kind of trying to be intimidating, you know, because I'm thinking, yo,
1: mess with me, I'll kill you too. (laughs) Because
0: I'm scared out of my mind. I think, God, why would you do this to me? And I start talking to him about Jesus. And you can sense the presence of the car change. And he said, my grandmama pr- been praying for me. And I said, you know what? You need to listen to your grandmama. Because I'm an answer to her prayer right now. I said, here's a coat. I took him to where he was. I wasn't about to lead him to Jesus. I was going to leave that to grandma. I said, now you're get out. <laughs> being honest with you. I thought, Jesus didn't tell me to lead him to Jesus, to lead him to himself. He just said, pick him up, give him a coat. I did. I hope he got born again. <laughs> I did my part you know, I did I think I may have a conversation with God tonight I'm feeling one coming on right now Mark let's talk about that moment The way you see yourself Is the way You serve people The way you see yourself If you have a low self esteem You'll serve people With a low self esteem and, and it won't Be as healthy. Not saying serving is not good. But if you don't see yourself as capable, you don't see yourself as a servant, you don't see yourself as equal to, but not more than, because oftentimes we have this idea that we're above what God's asking us to do. We oftentimes think we're above what God asks us to do. And so if you see yourself as above you'll never be the servant God wants you to be. If you see yourself below, you'll probably never be the servant God wants you to be. That The Bible says that a man should not think more highly of himself than he ought to. Well, that doesn't mean he doesn't think highly of himself. He just he, I mean, we ought to think pretty highly of ourselves, that God cared enough and loved us enough. It doesn't mean that we don't think about ourselves. It just means we think about ourselves less. We don't think about ourselves all the time. We just think about ourselves less than we used to. That, and we realize that we've been bought with a price. So let's uh, look at this story. and illustrates uh, how we treat others based upon how we see ourselves. Notice the different ways the victimized man was treated in this story. The robbers. Let's start with the robbers who passed. They used people, number one. They manipulated others. And they saw the man as a victim to exploit. So that's how they saw him, as a victim to exploit. So they robbed him. They see him as no value and that why not them possess it? And they're stronger, so they take what they wanted and they exploited him. Number two were the priests. This is the one I hate to talk about. They were law keepers. Now, you may not be a priest by title, but do you realize how many law keepers there are in churches throughout America? We're not going to do what Jesus tells us to do. We're going to do the minimum. What's it going to take to get to heaven? Some people might ask this question. I think many don't even ask. What will it take for me to hear, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over the little. You've been over much. Enter into my rest. What's it going to take for that to happen in our lives? I believe the happiest people, the most joyful people, are not the people who possess the most, but are people who are possessed by the utmost and the most high. That when you're possessed by God, literally possessed by God, that you're every when you wake up in the morning, the very first thought is, and I'm not saying this to be religious. I'm just saying, thank you, God, for another day. Yeah. Yeah. Just acknowledgement that without God, you wouldn't be breathing. It's not like you have to pray an hour to appreciate the Holy Spirit. It's not like you have to do works to appreciate God. When you are filled with God, you will want to do the will of God. I was filled with God. I resisted. I wanted to do it. But quite frankly, when somebody's bleeding and it's like freezing out and they have no coat on, you might think they're demon-possessed. And then I'm supposed to say, well, I have authority. Yeah, I know how that goes. You better exercise that authority. I beat the snot out of you, you know. <laughs> Go read it. All right. They were pure, perceived to be pure. They saw the man as a problem to avoid. How many times do a problem to avoid? Let me tell you, God will not always help you. The people you want to help. Why? The people you want to impress. The people who can return a favor to you. God will often put people you don't know who look scary... He might even put somebody you do know that's mean and hateful in your path to be a blessing. To. Amen. Right. Now, I know. Come on. Then there's the Samaritan. So let's look at this scenario. You have the robber, or the robbers. You have the priests who pass by on the other side of the road. And now here comes a Samaritan. He was despised. So here's a man who should have seen himself the way the Jews saw him, as a dog. I'm no good. I can't affect anybody. I can't have an impact on this world. But instead, so the Samaritan so was despised. He knew how it felt. Oh, here's the key. He knew how it felt to be ignored. He knew how it felt to be ignored. And then lastly, he saw the man as a person to be loved. I, I'm going to try to... There was a quote I posted some time ago. Um, Christians are not to stop and ask people if they're worthy of love. We're just called to love them. We don't ask people if they're worthy. That's not our job. Our, not, our job is not to determine the worthiness of people around us. Our job is to obey the Lord and God so loved the world. That's our job. And so when people come into the church, I would love it if we get to see everybody as you're worthy to be loved. As the good Samaritan saw this man differently than the priests or the robbers saw him. Christianity, and I think it's up there, Christianity is relationships. True Christianity is about relationships. That's what Jesus came to do. He walked around and he had a relationship. He went from one place of healing to another place of healing. One place of miracles to another place of miracles. Just having a relationship. He goes in and eats with Zacchaeus. I mean, wee little Zacchaeus a thief. Jesus just demonstrated that if you want to change somebody's life, you got to get to know the somebody's life that needs to be changed. That's the reason that you can have a big church meeting. You can have thousands of people in the church. But if the church and the people in the chairs don't know what to do with the message, all you've done is transferred knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. So if all I did was come in here every Sunday morning and preached a gospel message to you of good news, that would be good. Some of you would be able to take that and transfer that to somebody else. But some people would say, well, that message is just for me, and my life was changed. If your life was changed... How many lives around you should be changed just by virtue of how you now act? When you walk into a room, do people look at you as someone to avoid because you look like you slept upside down in a post hole?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Took a bath in pickle juice. I mean, you know, it's it's. What do you look like when you have you ever asked yourself? I mean. You've seen people, you can tell they're they're not having a good day. You know what I'm saying? And they don't even realize it. Well, what's wrong? What do you mean what's wrong? They haven't checked their face in the mirror. Maybe before you leave the house, if you're having a tough morning, look in the mirror and talk to your face. And look and say, face, today you shall not betray me. You do not control me or my destiny, face. So don't enter a room and make people feel sorry for you. You understand me? Amen. That's what I'm talking about. A definition for spiritual leadership is one who assumes responsibility for the health and development of relationships. One who assumes responsibility. It's not required. Nobody's putting it on you. You just decide that this is my choice. I'm going to assume Take responsibility for everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. Be a happy person. People won't know what to do. Honestly. And, you know, I wish I could do this 100%. But I try to do it most of the time where I will, I, you know, if I see somebody's having a bad day, it doesn't always work. Sometimes people get mad when you're happy. But I try to make people happy. Because I know that being happy and laughter is good medicine. And finding that kind of joy and just letting go and saying, God, I trust you. And and, and not worrying about what other people are thinking about you. Good leadership, people skills, is thinking about the other person and how you perceive them, not how they perceive you. Even though we want to be perceived as people who are overcomers more than conquerors. Four word pictures we want to look at tonight. The analogy of the host. Now, by nature, for some reason, women seem better at this than men. I'm learning now that I've, I've been single a while how to be a better host. Uh, men kind of say, hey, there's the fridge. If you want anything, go get it. <laughs> Isn't that right? Men are just that way. But women have everything laid out. Everything's there. Can I help you? Can I serve? Is there anything I've left out of it? And I'm like, wow. I'm a little old to be learning this, but. You know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I don't care what <laughs> anybody said. Good hosts take initiative and make, listen to this, and make others feel comfortable. Make others feel comfortable. Went home, took a nap today. My daughter-in-law and my granddaughter and grandson were still there, three months, three years old, three months old, and my daughter-in-law. And uh, it's, it's different, I, I live alone usually and everything's really tidy. <laughs> <laughs> took a nap, I got up, the dog had us to mini blind, oh yeah by the way they brought their dog,
1: um, yeah,
0: uh, she's there too. Um, <laughs> And then I have curtains that are like for, like, just for looks, really, kind of. They were moved to places they've never been moved to. I must be being a great host because they feel really comfortable.
1: Yeah.
0: As a leader, you must host the relationships and conversations of your life. Leaders are not guests in relationships. Knowing what a good host does in his or her home, we ought to be able to do it with people everywhere. Why do you think we have coffee and donuts? I can't even begin to tell you. I don't even wanna know how much those cost us every week. But you know what they do? They break down walls. Food and coffee just break down walls. And it just says, you know, welcome to our house. It's welcome to our house. If you're thirsty, we have something for you to drink. If you're hungry, we have something for you to eat. And, uh, you know, if I was homeless, I'd come to Mosaic every week. I wouldn't even listen to the preacher. (laughs) Thanks for the donuts and the coffee. You know, you can see it now, which would be great, because you know they would eventually come in because they feel loved. They feel comfortable. And, uh, you know, we're actually, I don't even remember who. He was talking to me about uh, creating an opportunity for us once again to go get, you know, the Jesus house people. And I've got to think through that and how we can do that. But those are things we want to do. We want to make people feel comfortable. The analogy of the doctor. Good doctors ask questions. They probe until they see the need. This is really critical. This resonates with me. When I said ask questions, ask questions until you are comfortable knowing what they need don't assume anything doctors don't say well, here take this and go home because they might not without a diagnosis i mean it might work for one sickness but not another so they ask questions where does it hurt how long has it hurt what did you do what precipitated this pain how often does it hurt when does it hurt the most and then they start turning things and that's when you tell them hey, hey, right there <laughs> you know how doctors they start poking you and, you, and when you scream they got their answer They figured it out. They asked questions. As you attempt to discern people's needs, ask questions until you discern their condition. Only then do you try to address their needs. Don't give a prescription before a diagnosis. People come to every church, not just this one, with all kinds of different needs. And sometimes we just don't ask enough questions to find out someone just lost their spouse. Someone may have just lost a friend, a relative. Someone may have just lost their job. What's going on with your life? What, what, how can we best serve you? And you know, some people won't open up to you for a while, but when they start feeling comfortable because you've hosted well, you ask the right questions, and then you can give the prescription. Day will come, I don't know when it will come, but probably, hopefully, by 2018, that we will be able to start facilitating Uh, Small groups to where we can identify people's needs and have groups to put them in Very important for people to have a place where they can meet people get to know people get to trust people and and Feel comfortable around people enough to say, you know, I have a need in my family in my life in my home Whatever it might be Uh, So we will do that in time Uh, The analogy of the counselor good counselors are active listeners active listeners, and interpret what they hear. As a leader with solid people skills, you must become an active listener. You show non-verbally, your your, your non-verbal communication. uh, When people see how you're sitting or how you're postured, it oftentimes communicates what they think, how you feel. So, for instance, if your arms are crossed, Scientists say that this says, I'm, I've got a wall between me and you. So when you're trying to listen to someone, it's not best to cross your arms. I'm very aware that when I'm talking to someone, if I ever do this, it's an indicator I'm really not interested in you. Anyway, so, uh,
1: have
0: I ever done that to any of you? Really? Okay. I, I really try to be aware of that. And because and, and to me, it doesn't mean that, but they say that in counseling, When someone's crossing their arms, it's kind of a sign of just, I'm protecting. So be aware uh, of your posture when you're listening to someone. Uh, Try to identify with them. We earn our right to speak by listening. We earn our right to speak by listening. The analogy of the tour guide. Guides don't merely fellowship with others. They get them to their destination. leader's people skills must result in the ability to take people to a destination. Our purpose is not to be liked by people, but to take them on a journey and to reach a goal they might not have reached alone. Now, let me address, this is a real critical point. And Joyce Meyer probably does the best job of anybody I know addressing this thing, which is called an approval addiction. Where... You do things for the purpose of getting people to like you. It's one of the most dangerous places you can ever be because you will violate your own convictions if that's your goal. And I will tell all of you this, and it's been, it's been the way I have lived ever since I've been in ministry, because I know that this is the best thing for me. I have policies for my own life. And, and I do this for a multitude of reasons. One is I value the time that I have every day. And you know what? I, I value the time I spend investing in me. You're investing in yourself by being here tonight. You realize that. This is not just an investment in Mosaic Church. This is an investment in you. You take these principles I'm teaching you tonight, you use them anywhere and they'll change your life. We certainly hope that you want to use them here, but that's there's no manipulation here. We want to help you become a better person, a better leader, and use the skills that you have. But if you have an approval addiction, people will talk you into things that you're not called to do. You're just not called to do. So I have always been a time budgeter, especially when I had kids. I budgeted my time every day from from this time I got up until the time that the workday was complete. I have a policy. I don't make any major decisions after 4 o'clock in the evening. Why? Because I'm tired. And there's a really good chance I'll make a stupid decision. So I find myself really wrestling. Don't, I'm not perfect at this, but I have always monitored trying to shut down early enough to where I don't say something dumb or do something dumb. Maybe call it a passing issue with me because some of you say, well, you don't have that problem. God bless you. I'm not you and you're not me. Some people do their best work from 6 to midnight. They're vampires. <laughs> I am not a vampire. And I after 4 or 5 o'clock in the evening, I'm no good. I I find myself uh, uncomfortable in open-ended uh, situations. And I didn't say it is because of me. I just find myself uncomfortable. My uh, if you ever want to talk to me, Lawrence, my assistant, I meet with people at the church. I don't go to lunch with people usually because it's a two-hour ordeal. and I'm just not comfortable with two hours, typically. Not an ego thing. It's not that I have too much to do. It's just that that's who I am. Do you see what I'm saying? And what I would say to you is be you. And if somebody doesn't like the you that you are, then they can go find another you. It's not being me. The problem in our life, we're irritated so much, is because other people are controlling our lives. Other people controlling your schedule. Other people talk about you in a way that manipulates you into doing something you don't want to do. That you don't feel good about. And and leaders are don't allow themselves to lead to get other people to like them. If people like who you are, they will follow where you go. If they don't, you don't want to try to make people like you who already don't like you. Let them like you by being around you and then they'll follow I'm going to be me in this church. Like I said this morning, I I don't think I've ever mentioned underwear in a sermon in my life. And for God's sake, I don't know why I did this morning, but I did. And I thought, I'm sure there were some people here today going, I've never heard a pastor mention underwear. And yet we all wear it, hopefully. Uh, I'm not asking, please, no show of hands, okay? Okay. Not asking what kind. Okay, so let's just kind of like move right along here. But I thought about that when I left. I thought, wow, I wonder what some people thought. And then I thought, I really don't care. I felt like saying underwear and I said it. And I'm saying it again. We're way too uptight in this world. We're way, way, way too uptight. We worry about things we shouldn't worry about. And I just thought, eh, having fun. And then I figure I, I always go home and I always listen to my message in my head again. I don't listen to it twice, three times like I used to, but I usually listen to it once in my head. I don't listen to it on podcasts. I listen to it in my head. I know what I said. And and some people may not like what I said. I can't help it. I'm going to say what I feel like God wants me to say. And, and the reason I can do that is because I'm not asking you to like me. I'm just asking you to listen to me. And if you don't like what you hear, discard it. Brother Hagin used to say, eat the hay, spit out the sticks. I threw some hay out today. I'm sure I had some sticks in there. Underwear may have been one of them. But I threw out some hay today. And you know what? There was some good stuff in there. But critics are always looking for the sticks and not the hay. And so what you have to realize is you can't change your life for people who don't want to sift through the food. You have to be able to say, this is who I am. This is who I am. And you know, when I came back, I knew that I was going to have to wrestle with thinking through what people wanted me to be now or who they thought I should be. You know, I really, my personality was given to me by, by God. I don't even always like it.
1: <laughs>
0: Every now and then I just go, you know, I, I just really, God, I don't really like all the time who you made me to be. Wouldn't you like to be just a, like a Gomer Pyle every now and then? I mean, I, I, you know, he just always seemed to never be bothered by anything anybody said. It Really, we know it was because he just was pretty clueless. But, but the reality is every now and then you say, wouldn't it be nice to be that kind of person? And I shake it off after about five minutes and go, yuck. <laughs> I kind of like who I am. you got to like who you are. Okay, what every leader should know about people. We won't get done with this entire thing today. What every leader should know about people. Number one, people are insecure. Give them confidence. Now, when I say people, that includes all of us. We all have insecurities. We all do. And the greatest way to overcome insecurity is admit you have insecurity. And be aware of the insecurities that you have. Now, I try to get over as many of those as I can, realizing that it's okay. We all have them. We all have those spots in our lives that for some reason, when somebody says something or does something, it lands on us in a way that we really feel it. And I just have to take those things to Jesus and go, Jesus, I don't want to feel that way. I really, really don't. And I I, I just I want to be able to hear what someone says and believe the best. And it's one of the things I believe that helps... People skills that we need is to not take things personally. Uh, I don't ever want people to take things personally because nothing's targeted at you or anybody else. It's just what I do. And I have to answer to God for my life and the choices I make. And I understand that. And I do this because I love it, I love God, and I love you. Um, But I still have my own insecurities. Key principle here is hurting people hurt people. We've all heard that. Hurting people hurt people people secure people off secure offer security to people so whenever people try to hurt other people you can have compassion on them because they're hurting people they hurt themselves and so when somebody says something mean about me and i hear it most of the time i have compassion because i go you know they really must be hurting if, I, if they can give me that much attention, they really are hurting.
1: <laughs>
0: they really are. If somebody talks about you, they have a pretty miserable life. Because none of us are that important. Really. Now, if they're talking about you in a good way and building you up, that's different. But if somebody's putting you down, all it says is they feel put down in their own lives. They feel miserable in their own lives. They're insecure without realizing their insecurity. Most people are insecure in some area of life. Most insecure people are looking for security. And a secure environment is provided only by secure and confident people. I want this to be a safe place. I want Mosaic Church to be a safe place. I don't want people to feel put down. I don't want people to feel unloved. I want them to feel secure here. And we will have all kinds of people, as most churches do or many churches do, that come through the doors of this church. And I want us to embrace them. And when I I talk this morning uh, about us embracing uh, people from every walk of life and every way of life, I mean that. Now, like I said this morning, when you show love to someone, it doesn't mean you agree with everything that person is doing. Do you understand that? And sometimes people feel like if they love somebody who's living in a life of sin... Resistant to God. That if you love them, they will perceive that as an endorsement of their sin. I disagree. When you love them, they will see that as an endorsement of love. An endorsement of their person, not their behavior. And eventually, you'll have a conversation that you always wanted to have. Only they'll be the one to bring it up. But we must be willing to embrace people who are different than us. I see in the Bible Jesus did. You remember the woman who came in and wept and poured oil on Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair? They saw her as a common hooker. Jesus saw her as a person to be loved. It's real quiet when you talk about hookers and underwear. the lord but the reality is if you start seeing people as different they might start seeing themselves differently as worthy of love not to be judged not to be criticized so just love them so that they can start seeing themselves as lovable give hope to them so they won't see themselves as hopeless and this will be a debate in the years to come, if not immediately in churches everywhere. It already is. What do we do? We love. But you allow people. Yeah, we allow people because Jesus did. He allowed prostitutes to come in. woman caught in the act of adultery. Goes in the house of a common thief. Jesus was notorious for loving the wrong people. That's not what's perceived by religious people. Guess what? If that's the case, I want to be like Jesus. I want to love all the wrong people. Yeah. That the world would say it's just wrong. How can you let them come in? How can you let them be a part of your church? Whoever them is. Because you know what? Everybody has a story about you. Yeah, yeah. I don't care about their story. I care about your story. So if somebody has a story about you, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look and say, you know what? I think I'll let them tell me their story because they'll tell it better than you. There have been a lot of people telling stories about me the last few years. And i got to tell you, some of them I find laughable. I'm thinking that was creative. Maybe I ought to add that to my resume. <laughs> Haven't heard that one. That was pretty good. And, you know, we don't, we don't call people out and we don't say things because we're politically correct. But i got to tell you, there have been so many lies told about me that you need a calculator. And I just smile because I know my own story better than anybody else. I was there. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry, man.
1: Sorry,
0: man. Sorry, man. So it's frustrating to people when you become secure and they're insecure. Your security will drive insecure people nuts unless you can love them. And bring them into security. Some people I kind of like to watch their insecurity. But anyway, I'll move right along. Uh, think of ways to encourage one another. Do outbursts of love and good deeds. Hebrews ten twenty five. Do outbursts of that translation. Do outbursts of love and good deeds. Number two, people like to feel special. Honor them. People like to feel special. Honor them. To deal key principle to deal with yourself use your head. To deal with others, use your heart. You know, one of the the best times of my day on Sunday is, I'd love to say it would be hugging you, but it's really not. It's not. It's when the children come out and start hugging me. And and to see the children, I, I'll, I'm i no good at babysitting, but I'm good with hugs. And when I see these kids come, some of them are at the wrong height, but uh take that however you want anyway uh i love little children and so that that kind of makes my day it just just to to love on the kids and to make them feel special because if we'll love these children and we will just embrace them. Nobody will be able to ever talk them out of the arms of Jesus because they will identify Jesus with the church and you with the church. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, make, it says, when you affirm and honor someone with your words, and these, these are critical points right here. Don't want to overlook these. Make them sincere. Be genuine about what you say. And that that comes because you've worked on yourself privately. God, help me to love the way you love. As much as you can. Help me to love the way you love. Love one another. Make them specific. Be pointed and specific about what you say. As pointed and specific as you can be. Make them public. Share the honoring word in front of others. This morning, I did that... With the band i did that with pastor rick i i without fail every sunday that i come in that rick's not on the ocean and he's here (laughs) i want him to know how much i appreciate it i want our band members i'm shocked at these people that get here early and they play and uh you know I, i wanted them to feel honored and special i did it publicly now i will tell you this there are some people who don't want to be honored publicly in the uh, life languages, not the love languages, there are nine life languages, and one of those languages is the language of a doer. A doer is a person who wants to be appreciated privately, not publicly. If you appreciate them publicly, they'll quit doing what they're doing. And so you have to know the life languages. I'll teach those someday because I will want you to, you, you'll each know what your life language is. I have the life language of a mover and an influencer. Those are my two life languages, meaning I take risks and I love people. I'm the partier. That's what they call an influencer, the Christian. You're the ones always want to have a party. And to me, every Sunday morning's a party. Amen. And as you can tell. <laughs> and every now and then the party gets out of hand. <laughs> make them personal. Get beyond general gratitude. Speak personally to them. Be kindly affectionate in Romans 12.10 to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. Okay. Here's what I want to do right now, because I've got some other points and I will try to get these next month. Uh, I think are these, Mark, these are going to be on U version or somewhere where they can access them. You can get the rest of these and, and I would encourage you to do so. What I'd like to do right now is if you have a card, I want to volunteer at Mosaic Church. I want to be a servant leader. What we're going to do in just a moment, I'm just going to we're going to break out and give you an opportunity to meet with your leaders. Uh, of, of different areas and uh, we have people over every area, children's ministry uh, the what I call Sunday administrative support ministries from the parking lot to the greeters to the ushers to prayer partners and that kind of thing that's a group and then we have the worship team, now we do want to tell you this uh, you know if, if you, you know, ask somebody if you can sing <laughs> Please don't assume that you can. Okay. Sure. Karaoke night does not count. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: you know, this is the part I dreaded when we started the church. More than anything is, you know, everybody, everybody thinks they can sing. I, I sound phenomenal by myself in the shower. There is no one that can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I, but I do. But but then when I think about it, I've chosen not to practice that gift in front of others, um, or lack of. Uh, So we're going to have band singer auditions on Sunday, May 28th, after the 11 o'clock service. So if you play an instrument and somebody says they think you can sing other than your mother, (laughs) please come to that audition. Uh, We also need... uh, Presentation computer uh, person that um, can be on the tech team. Uh, All this stuff that you see put up there has to be input before it goes up there and then knows how to bring it up there, okay? Uh, We need sound training. Uh, We have an incredible sound man who is very intelligent, uh, but if he ever has to be absent, guess what? We're going to need help. And if you really say, well, you know, I've always wanted to learn about sound. This guy can probably train you to be good enough uh, to do it a couple of times and maybe beyond that. Who knows? Can you turn on a light switch? That's where it all starts, okay? (laughs) Production lights and camera people, okay? We've got a camera right up there and a camera back there. You can see we'll have different cameras and more cameras. But then all of this lighting and stuff, LED stuff, it's all different nowadays. And so we need help there. Uh, and so Pastor Mark is going to be available afterwards. He's back there right now. Uh, he'll be available. And so is there anybody that does not have a card? you need a card? Does anybody need one? are you lying to me? Okay, so here's what I want to ask you to do. And let me ask you this, and this is very important. And it, How many of you are not currently serving... But you've been praying about it in one, two. Would you lift your hand? One. Really? No. Uh, two, three, four. I'm glad you guys are getting courageous here. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how many of you are currently serving? Lift your hands. Wow. Very good. Very exciting. Very exciting. Okay, good. Those of you you can see, those of you who are yet to serve, these are all serving people that are serving. I want to get to know them. That's going to take just a few minutes for that.